0: this is cultural quarter of an hour and i'm charlotte foster every week we will be exploring the culture of stoke-on-trent and the surrounding area Some weeks I'll be visiting events, other weeks I'll be looking back at our history, but always with an eye on the future. And you'll also hear the stories of the people who make this area just what it is. Culture is all around us. It's in the buildings, it's deep underground, it's in the air, and of course, it's in our blood. hello welcome to this week's podcast i hope you are well this week's podcast is brilliant if i say so myself uh because i was invited by deb McAndrew to come to the launch of hot lane it's her latest play uh from her theater company claybody theater it's her uh she's involved in that and um this hot lane is going to be performed in november at spode so that's where we went we were inside the heritage center which always i love but i'm always convinced i'm going to break something because i carry a fair bit of kit with me not because i need to but because i just end up carrying more than i actually need uh, so i spoke to uh, to deb and to some of the cast members about hot lane and just
1: what it all is about
2: I'm uh, Matthew Jones and I'm playing Brian Furnival.
1: Uh, I'm Madeleine Gray and I'm playing Nora Furnival. So tell me a little bit about the characters, please.
2: So Brian Furnival is a bit of a ladies' man. Uh, he's uh, married to Nora, but he's still a little bit of a player. So he's a bit of a naughty boy.
1: Uh, Nora is uh, his wife and she... Is very strong-willed and quite stubborn, but she likes to. She takes comfort in in people that support her and keep her afloat. So she's she's very loving, but she's very stubborn. What attracted you both to this production?
2: I, I was in the first one, Dirty Laundry. I was the assistant director, and I stepped in to play Brian Furnival. And then from there, Deb loved the character, and she basically said, "I'm going to write you for the." next one so I'm just happy to play that character again
1: Uh, I was asked to read the script uh, and I just fell in love with the the idea of all these sort of times colliding like the past and the present and the future and the idea of doing a project in Stoke for Stoke was seemed really important and it had to be done so that's why I'm here Early days at
0: the moment. Production start, comes out next month. We are now in October, which is quite scary. Um, how's it going? How are you finding? How are you finding it all?
2: Um, okay, in the minute. Um, I'm not really nervous as of yet, but I definitely will be near the time. Definitely.
1: Yes we haven't started rehearsals yet and as you probably can tell I am not from Stoke so uh, the accent is something I've been working on and hopefully will do it justice because everyone says it's very hard. I've lived here now full time since beginning of 2012 and I still can't do it, (laughs) not not to worry you. Yes I'm trying my best. I've been listening I've been listening to a lot of local people it's just getting the getting it Right, and obviously because it's set in 1950s, that has to be correct as well. So we don't make any mistakes. Yeah. Are you eating oatcakes? Because that I've heard <laughs> helps. <laughs> I, you know, I haven't had one yet. <gasps> Blasphemy. What? I know. I know. I, I, think that's my next, my next task is to go and find one on my way home. <laughs> and it's chaise, not cheese. Okay,
0: right. Chase, thank you. Chase. That's that's as good as it gets for me. That's, so there we go. There's my uh, there's my vocal coaching. Yeah, sl- uh, you know, we'll uh, put the invoice in later. That was all right, wasn't it?
2: Yeah, it was not too bad actually. To be fair, <laughs> yes.
0: I found a quiet corner, and I've also found Deb McAndrew as well. Deb, thank you for coming on the podcast. Tell me then
3: a bit about Hot Lane. Hot Lane is set in 1956 in Stoke-on-Trent. It's a story about a woman who returns to the potteries after many years away, and her return stirs up all kinds of things that have been laid dormant for many years, um, old passions and problems. But I suppose that the, 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 the thing that is the kind of the mystery of the play really is, why did she go in the first place? Who is she? And Why has she come back now? And once we, the audience, and once the story is on, uh, revealed, what's she going to do? So that's kind of a set of sort of series of questions that will pull the story through and pull, hopefully pull the audience through um, um, a story that's going to hopefully keep them gripped right to the end.
0: There'll be some familiar faces for anyone who came along last year to see Dirty Laundry. Do you, is it important that people have seen Dirty Laundry
3: or is it a standalone it is a standalone piece. What what happened was um, uh, at Claybody Theatre we presented a play of mine called Dirty Laundry at Spode Works um, last autumn, and uh, it was great success and a sellout, and it was wonderful, and we we were so thrilled and um, with the audience response. And as an act, as a as the writer, as, well as I, was, uh, I was sitting listening. I was there every night, obviously welcoming my audience, saying hi to everyone, and um, and listening to the to the performance. And it was actually listening really because I was sitting kind of to one side. I couldn't. Really see the stage very well and I was listening to the performance uh, because we convert an old space in Spode into a a performance area um, which is really exciting and very dynamic. Um, and I was listening to the to the show, and there was a few lines every night that really intrigued me because I knew the character who said them was lying, but the, I couldn't possibly in that play find out what that was about. And I knew when I wrote the lines he was lying, but I, I, or covering up. Um, so I started to pick away at that thread, and what came out was a whole new story, um, which um, is three years on. But it's instead of it being it's not a sequel in any way but what it is is a new story about some of the same characters but there's also lots of there's a number of new characters as well and characters who were in Dirty Laundry who aren't in Hot Lane Um, and I didn't have the title for ages I had the story I had all the characters I had everything but I didn't know what it was called and it had a working title which was Edith which is the name of the woman but that was a rubbish title Um, and I kept talking to Helen and Conrad who uh, Conrad's our director and Helen's a producer and talking to them and going what's the title what's the title and they kept saying we have faith in you Deb we know you'll come up with the title and then I was sitting and I was actually a a fundraiser for Bethesda Chapel as it happened and I was sitting there and there was suddenly some old bits of Burslem were coming up and I remembered a walk I'd done with the historian Fred Hughes up Hot Lane uh, on all around Sneed Pit and all around the area of Burslem very old area of Burslem and there it was Hot Lane and that's it that's the perfect title because it's hot it it, it it's it, it, and there is a connection then a, a, a direct connection with hot lane in the story but in fact that title refers to much more than just literally hot lane everyone in the story is on hot lane in some way they're under pressure or they're feeling passionate or they're repressing their feelings or there's, you know there's something everyone's on hot, on sort of metaphorically on hot lane
0: when you get you say it was like an itch you had to scratch with a character.
3: Can you ever ignore that itch? No. <laughs> no. It's a. It's a great. It's a joy and a privilege of being a, a, a writer, being a creative person, especially when I'm very lucky that I get to. I get to, you know, to, to write things. There's always. There's always a point when I want to write a story when it just comes out of me and it's not a commission, where I never know if that play is going to be performed because once I'd got the story. We then had to apply for funding because Claybody Theatre is project funded, which means that we don't have any strategic money. Each time we come up with an idea, we then have to set about funding it to pay actors properly and to put a really top professional production before the people of Stoke-on-Trent who deserve no less than the best we can give them. Um, And so, um, yeah, I've got, there's also got to be the joy of writing it because I never really know if it's going to go on. You know, we might not have got the money, in which case, Hot Lane wouldn't be happening. But I would have written it, but it wouldn't be happening. So, um, yeah, so there's always got to be that impulse, that sort of inner desire to write the story, even, whatever, just for the pleasure of writing it. You mentioned
0: earlier you were sort of welcoming everyone to the uh, to, to Spode, and you were saying about how important it is that you're telling stories of Stoke-on-Trent. Why is it so important to you?
3: Well, because it's important to me to tell stories about Stoke because Stoke is so interesting and so full of stories and they never get told, or well, certainly not nowadays. I mean, there, there have been writers in the past who've taken inspiration from the city, but they're quite long ago. Um, and lots of writers write about Manchester, London, Leeds, Edinburgh, you know, Glasgow. You get these, these cities, these great cities that inspire writers. Um and nobody was writing about Stoke. And, you know, as I say many times, I sort of feel like the only kid in the sweet shop. You know, there's not many people. there is there, there, Actually, there are other writers in the city writing about the city in different ways, but not writing drama. Um, and drama is the most immediate form of storytelling there is, where the audience come and actors live out a world in front of them, live on stage. Um, there isn't anything more direct or immediate as a a form of storytelling than that. Um, It's just so um, exciting. Um, So, yeah, I'm a dramatist. Drama's my medium. That's my art form. And so I tell stories in a dramatic form about Stoke um, because it's just full of stories. And I also believe really strongly um, that... Um, it's actually, it's, it's in it's in Hamlet. Hamlet says that the job of the drama is to hold the mirror up to nature. And one of the things that people say about the city is that the people of Stoke-on-Trent don't engage with arts very much. And I believe that one of the reasons, one of the main reasons is because if you don't see yourself reflected, that's the first point of engagement actually with art is to be able to see something of yourself or to have yourself, your story told back to you. I think that's a really key moment in anyone's life when they really connect with the arts is when the art speaks to them about who they are and so I feel as well that there's a if there's a sounds a bit worthy but if there's a, an artistic mission part of that is to encourage people in Stoke-on-Trent who don't engage with theatre who don't engage with the arts to come and see our show and see themselves and see their own stories, their own language, their own... I mean, obviously I'm from Yorkshire, you probably sell for my accent, but I've lived here a long time. I've lived in the Potteries for 17, 18 years now and it's under my skin. I hear the dialect very clearly in my ear and I think I can reproduce it on the page and I think our actors can reproduce it in their mouths. Some of them are local, some of them aren't. It's, it's not about who's from here, it's about the fact that those stories are from here, rooted here, performed here, rehearsed here funded here you know all that it's it's made in stoke it's got the back stamp and we're better talking about having that stoke back stamp than to perform in spode iconic pottery site and it's it's a site that everyone owns everyone you talk to anyone in the city they've all got a memory they've all got an auntie who worked here as a there's a paintress or an uncle who was a fireman or what, you know, but there's always somebody. That everyone seems to have a connection to this. And if they don't have a direct connection, to, I suppose they're direct, they've got a connection to the potteries um, and they feel that they can walk in the doors of this building and own it and it's theirs. And that's really important because very often a theatre building can be a barrier for people um, because they don't think they belong. They don't know it's not their space, whereas a pot bank is everybody's everybody's it's a totally democratic space in which people can just come and enjoy a story so for people who
0: don't know much about claybody uh, as a production company what what how, what
3: are you about as such a bit of background claybody theatre was founded in 2013 when i had a play that i'd written that i'd wanted to write I, i'd lived here about 10 years and i finally decided i'd the cheek to write about Stoke on Trent and um I wrote a play called Ugly Duck, which was kind of a love letter to Burslem, really, or a love letter to Stoke-on-Trent in general, about an unemployed bloke from Middleport who is really down on his luck, and his son's about to turn 21, and he wants to buy him a pipe, but he's got no money, and he applies for a job as an artist's life model. So, um, I, And the inspiration for that play was I had a picture in my mind. You can call me strange. I probably am. I saw a naked man in a Port veil vale hat And that was kind of where this play began, really. Um, And nobody, of course, wants to do a play about Stokes, so it was kind of, I had to do it myself. Um, So I applied for funding and I got funding and we presented the play at the Burslem School of Art. At which point, which sold out as well everybody told me nobody will come Deb you know it was like but if you build it they will come and they did and we built it and they came and then uh, the New Vic Theatre invited us to remount the production for them the following year and all of a sudden there was a bit of momentum behind this theatre company and I didn't really expect that to happen Um, but it did and people were then saying to me, what are you going to do next? And they then followed a, a period of difficulty of getting funding, to be honest. Um, there were ideas in the works which never rea- were realised because we couldn't get them funded. Then a lovely commission came in from the Miners' Wives and the Women Against Pit Closures around the, um, the Miners' Strike 30 years anniversary. And I wrote a little play called Digging In about the miners' strike, which went into schools in the former co- mining, in the, in the North Staffordshire Coalfield in former mining communities and had a gala performance at the Mitch and uh, the Mitchell Arts Centre. And that was a lovely show. Very proud of that show. I talked to people and got to really, and again, I got to know more about stuff. And then finally, last year, we got Dirty Laundry funded and now we have Hot Lane. So, you know, it takes a long time to build a theatre company up, but we're getting there. What next? I know it's early days. We haven't got even Hot Lane on the, the on yet. But what next? So now I have so many ideas. So many ideas. Um, I've got two, two main ideas for creating a play in the works. somebody said to me is the Dirty Laundry Hot Lane thing. Is it a trilogy? Even though they're not connected, they are of the same world. And I actually do kind of have a third play pickling away at the back. Um, which is not doesn't it goes back in time actually to the war to the first world war um, which is quite interesting um, so that might happen and I also have a play this is this is a really exclusive um another play that might be in the works that I want I've got working on working title for that is the D Road. Which is a, which is not which is a modern play again set now. So having done three well two period pieces and digging in was kind of a period drama as well. Ugly Duck was a contemporary play about now about Stoke now. I really want to go back to writing about Stoke on Trent today, and I have a little play cooking in my head called the D Road. The D Road was my first introduction
0: to Stoke on Trent <laughs> because my dad worked for ICL. So it would this was down south. He would come up to Kids Grove for meetings there and he used to come home and tell me about this d road and as a child i didn't think of it as a capital d which is clearly how it is i thought of it as the (laughs) lowercase d and i couldn't get my head around this this concept of a d road but it's
3: it's one of the things stoke is famous for isn't it It is, and it's. I mean, for ages I called it the A five hundred because I didn't know anybody, but I realised that it is absolutely called the D road. Um, And oh, oh, honestly, that title just evokes loads of things in the mind. Not just that road itself, but D. What does D stand for? Damned, (laughs) (laughs) many a day, (laughs) you know, or or delightful, or I don't know what could D stand for. And I think there's, and I've got a couple of little characters that sort of. But it's also, I think, what's really interesting artistically about the D e. Road. See, I'm talking about it now as if it's a play that really exists. It doesn't. Um, but what's really interesting about it is the fact that it's not just a physical barrier, but it's a psychological barrier within, within the potteries. And it's got a lot of meaning. It carries a lot of meaning that's just not, it's not just a, it's not just a road. It's lots of things. And that's very, very interesting to me. So watch this space.
0: So there we go. Weren't we treated to a bit of an exclusive? You only get that here on Cultural Quarter of an Hour. Yeah, remember that. I love talking to Deb. I love talking to the cast members. I love being there. And I have now finally got my hands, well, I will be getting my hands on one of the uh, mugs as well by Emma Bailey. If you do go to performance, make sure you take your money with you. The mugs are absolutely stunning and they're limited edition can't get better than that. Also, you can get food at the pot bank uh cafe beforehand definitely worth doing i'm going to book in for food as well when i go hope you enjoyed this week's podcast i certainly did as you can tell because i just keep talking about it uh, back next week as always in the meantime if you want to get in touch please do you can get in touch with me via facebook just search for a cultural quarter of an hour podcast on twitter it is at cqh pod and uh, look forward to talking to you in a week's time on uh, the next podcast which will come to you next wednesday wherever you get your podcast from normally